Today's episode of the Sidious Mag Podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network is brought to you by More Than Running with Dana Giordano. We're now up to seven shows on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. We've got this one, Runners of NYC, Showrunners with Scott Fobble, Track and Field History with Jesse Squire, Running Things Considered, Price of a Mile whenever Woody feels like making an episode, and now this new show. I'm doing my best to keep you guys entertained during this quarantine. So if you're interested in sponsoring this show or any of those shows, shoot me an email, chris at sidiousmag.com. It's also found in the show notes. On More Than Running, Dana's going to sit down with many accomplished women to hear how they found success in the sport, whether it's on the track or on the roads or in other avenues, you know, as industry leaders or entrepreneurs. I'm very excited about producing that show. Check it out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or Google Podcasts, pretty much wherever you get your podcast fix. Season one is underway. Subscribe, listen, rate, and review it. It's called More Than Running with Dana Giordano. My guest for today's episode is Danny Jones. She is a four-time NCAA champion out of the University of Colorado. And just this week, she announced that she will be foregoing her remaining NCAA eligibility to turn pro and sign with Howie Management. She'll also be joining the Boulder Base Group, coached by Joe Beauchard, which includes 2017 world champion Emma Coburn, Aisha Pratt, Dom Scott, and Corey McGee among its core members. On this show, we'll unpack what went into that decision, how the pandemic disrupted her really lofty goal of doubling in the 800 and mile at the NCAA Indoor Championships, what the 2021 Olympic delay means for her, and we'll get her firsthand perspective on some of her best races as a buff. All of that, plus her Mount Rushmore of Colorado Buffaloes. So without further ado, here is Danny Jones. Now we welcome on Danny Jones. Danny, thanks so much for joining us. I feel like it's such a weird question to ask someone like, like, how are you nowadays? Because like, no one's doing great. So like, kind of like, how have things been? And like, how, how weird have the la- has the last month been for you in Boulder? Because I mean, the last podcast I just did was Morgan McDonald, and he's out in Madison, Wisconsin. It's a great place to run. You're in a very similar situation, like Boulder, lots of great places to run, lots of open space. So it can't be too, too bad. Right. Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, love this podcast. Huge fan of it. Um, but yeah, it's a weird time for everybody. Um, and even in Boulder, I mean, the trails here are great and we have a lot of options, which keeps, you know, the crowds to a minimum. Um, but at the same time, um, it's our responsibility as, um, I guess, as collegiates and then as now professional runners to kind of set an example for people. So um, you definitely have to follow the rules and, you know, you have that weird tan line from the gator that you're pulling up and down over your face. And um, yeah, Boulder definitely has a, a weird feeling to it right now, I'd say, but overall the community is really supportive, which is, which is a good place to be, a good place to be, I guess. Yeah. And throughout this whole thing, you're like still finishing up like your degree. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How have online uh, classes been? Because I, I can't imagine them being, like, super productive. <laughs> yeah, it's just hard. I mean, on top of a lot of people in my situation trying to figure out their life, and then you kind of, every once in a while, you're like, oh, like, I'm still in school. I need to, 
right, finals week, okay. And I'm like on the phone with, you know, Howie, my agent, he's like, all right, when can we talk? And I'm like, well, I got a final tomorrow morning, but uh, after that, I'm set. And he's like, you have a final? He's like, what is happening? Um, but yeah, that's an interesting uh, addition to all the madness. But um, CU's done a good job just making it as easy as possible. So. so this is the week that the news finally came out that you've decided to turn pro. How did that decision come to be? You decided to sign with Merhawi Kofleski and like Howie Management. Um, and I mean, he represents a bunch of people who've been on the podcast before, Meb and, and Alexi Pappas. And so um, it's some pretty good company to be in. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Howie has a smaller agency, um, but the people he represents are awesome. You know, they're obviously great athletes, but they're great people. Um, Nikki is, has been, you know, someone I've run with in the past um, who's had great advice for me you know, during this whole process and um, Meb's already reached out and it is like, you know, one of their hashtags is like Howie family and you know, that can, that can be overused in, in our world, but it really is true from what I've experienced so far with him. And um, yeah, they're, they're a great agency and I'm really excited to be working with them. So you had the option to return for a sixth year, right? You had outdoor eligibility remaining. Was it, was it a hard decision to just let that go? Oh yeah. So, so tough. And, you know, social media really doesn't, you know, do all that justice. You know, you just look at things and say, Oh, she's, she's going pro like easy peasy, but it was a really long and difficult decision. Um, especially since CU's done so much for me and I've had great success there. Um, and I have great support there. Um, but yeah, it was a really, uh, exhausting and, and difficult decision for sure. You had a lot of other teammates, I guess, who have faced a very similar decision. I mean, was there talk among you guys or like who else were you consulting throughout this entire process? Yeah, I'm really, really lucky. I mean, aside from having coaches, you know, and Mark and Heather that really understood the whole process, um, I had teammates like Joe Clucker and McKenna Morley who were going through the exact same thing. Um, you know, three in one program. I think that's, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Um, but just being able to call them and ask them how they're doing and, you know, what their thought processes are and, um, and you know, like you're not alone in the whole thing. Cause it, it's been, um, it definitely hasn't been what we expected. So to have some extra support has been, it's been really, really lucky. I'm really fortunate to have them around. What was your coaching setup like at Colorado and in the dynamics of working with Mark and Heather over the past couple of years? Because, you know, sometimes from the outside looking in, it's sort of like, we know that there's two coaches, but are you working with one more than the other? Or how did, how exactly did that balance out over the years? Yeah, I think I had everything a collegiate could ever want at Colorado. I mean, it was just dream, dream setup. You know, I had Mark and Heather who both worked with me um, equally as often um, and both bring something completely different to the table, you know, um, and Billy as well, my assistant coach um, was there too. So a lot of great coaches. Um, you know, I had Jenny and, you know, Riley Masters and Sarah Masters around, you know, professional athletes. Uh, who have a lot of experience, which was also great. 
um, and a really good team. So it's just, it was the perfect setup. You know, I, I, I would change nothing about my collegiate experience. Um, it was definitely the best decision I ever made. When did that start to feel like the norm? Because I'm sure for anyone who knows the reputations that all these people have, it's just sort of like that star after star after star that you're crossing paths. And so for, I mean, coming out as a, from a high school senior, becoming a freshman, you must have had at some point like a pinch me moment. Like, I can't believe that this is all at my disposal. Oh yeah. And never got old either. I mean, there's never a moment that I didn't look around and think, gosh, I have it so good. Like, this is unbelievable, an unbelievable time to be at CU because I mean, whenever you do something significant at CU, they they just pull out the list and they're like, well, how does it feel to be compared to A, B, C, D, E, and all these amazing athletes? And it's just, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think sometimes it's easy to, to look around and get complacent, but man, yeah, you don't, it doesn't get old going to practice and seeing Mark and Heather and Jenny and I'm, I never took it for granted. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to have experienced that. What was Jenny's advice throughout the whole decision-making process? I mean, Jenny has been such a good role model and, you know, she's taken on the big sister role. Um, she really, um, told me, you know, this is your decision and um, just took on a really supportive role rather than, you know, telling me to go one way or the other. Um, but she's been through all of it and um, she understands how difficult it was. And at the same time, she was um, understanding that this is a little tougher than normal circumstances. So she's always a phone call away and that's, I've always been really appreciative of that. When I taped the podcast with her last fall, um, I think the re- thing that really stuck out to me was just like how much of a master tactician she is when it comes to races. And one of the things I think she told me was just that like Ben Sorrell used to be the guy who would like pick her brain about different things. And you could kind of see it paying off in his own race tactics for you, whether it was kind of like reading the competition or being able to like assess when she was going to make a move. Like she was, she's just a really, really good at it. How much of that was imparted on you? And did you, you know, I guess like capitalize upon having this resource at practice? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd be dumb not to, you know, like, <laughs> um, but you know, Heather was a big part of that too, you know, and I think it's fair to say that Jenny's there as a resource and you have to be the one to use it. And Ben's a good example of that. Um, you know, taking the initiative to have a, a relationship with Jenny, you know, um, and, you know, something I like to do throughout college is sit down with my coach and just watch video. And a lot of the times we're watching Jenny, you know, um, and, you know, watch NCAA races, watch Diamond League races, and just study good race tacticians and know know it so well that you know in a race it's just instinct and I think especially in a 1500 it's so important to be comfortable out there and be comfortable with 
you know, getting pushed around and like know where you want to be and know what your next move is. Uh, and I thought it even paid off at a 5k there at the end when I was running longer distances, you know? Um, so yeah, you, you cannot put a price on that. And I just don't think it's, it's emphasized enough. Um, I think in football, they, they watch tape and I think it's just important for us to sit down and do it. You know, it's, it's just running, but it's, I don't know. It's a lot more than that when it comes to racing. So. One of the other announcements that you had recently was that you're going to be joining Joe Beauchard's uh, group. And so you're not really like moving too far. Um, he's been a part of Mark Wetmore's system and the transition from Mark to Joe seemed to have worked like very seamlessly for Emma. When you were going to, into that decision, what were you looking for in your next coach? Right. Yeah. And like I said before, it was a really hard decision. Um, you know, Mark and Heather have done so much for me and I had a lot of great resources and, um, you know, just great experiences and relationships at CU. Um, but one great thing about Joe is that he understands my history. Um, you know, they've all been through this, you know, CU's program and they have a relationship with um, my old coaches and, um, and that, and there's just wonderful people in their group that are trying to achieve the same things that I want to achieve. And it's just a really supportive uh, environment and supportive group. And that's, that's really what I had at CU and something I wanted um, to replicate if I were to leave. Um, and they've definitely, you know, it's probably been four days of practice I've had with them, but it's been great so far. And even with the social distancing stuff, they've managed to make me feel welcome. Yeah. It's really take, like considers the individual athlete and not just um, the big group, despite having so many big names and so many big talents in there. You brought up, I guess, like that first practice and just having to deal with like social distancing. How weird was that first one? <laughs> I mean, that's another cool thing about the group is that they're they're really trying to set an example um, of what that looks like. Uh, and I think they've done a good job helping other groups in Boulder try to navigate that. Um, so um, since the stay at home order, the team's been running pretty much in, like on their own. Um, you know, Joe will send workouts and um, we wear gaiters on our neck you know and pull them up when it's necessary or when we run into people we try and stay off the really crowded trails um and then the weight room is sanitized and used you know individually um but we're hoping you know once this stay-at-home order is supposed to i think it's supposed to lift on friday um we're hoping for some more paired maybe paired running you know have one running partner um and i think Groups of 10 will be allowed soon, so maybe we'll be able to get in the weight room together. Um, but yeah, just trying to set an example, and uh, it's definitely not the most fun way to do things, especially because I'm new and I want to meet everybody. And, you know, Emma was like, Yeah, normally after long runs, we get in the weight room and then we go to brunch. And I'm like, Dang, like that sounds so fun. Like, I want to do that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, staying patient and you know, trying to all the rules and you know play our part so 
finding a new coach and a new system is step one. What is kind of like the buzz right now within the industry on shoe deals? Because, I mean, to my understanding, it seems like everyone is a little tight on their money and just kind of keeping cards close to them. So it's like it's the opportunities aren't there like they usually are. Right. Yeah, it's it's honestly just like the rest of the world. You know, everything's on pause and um you know, I think people are hopeful, but they also don't know when things are going to turn around. So uh right now Howie and I are just staying as patient as possible and um you know, focusing on training and the controllables right now. Um, but also, you know, understanding that I'm in a lot, I'm in a good situation. You know, people are really struggling right now and they're losing jobs and um, have some perspective on, you know, what really is unlucky. And um, yeah, the silver lining is I get to run after college. You know, I have college teammates and I have friends who run in college that don't, get to race again, you know, expecting to have these last seasons and they have to move on with their life and, you know, they don't get those, those races back and I'm going to have opportunities to race again. Whenever those races happen, you know, I'm going to be on the line again at some point and I'm, I'm grateful for that. When the Olympics did get postponed, I mean, there's a lot of thought that goes into it is like, okay, well, who just benefited from this, whether it's just like the post-collegiate athlete who the trials have been right after the NCAA season, or, you know, it hurt some people. Some people had to put off plans that they had, and some people were trying to retire possibly at the end of the year. You are kind of like on the winning side of this, I would think, right? Yeah, yeah I agree. Definitely. So it's like, how did you process hearing that first news that the Olympics got postponed a year and then the trials eventually? I mean, I think the the first reaction everyone had was just, it was shocking, you know, um, just because for, for so long, no matter what got canceled, you'd go back to hearing about the Olympics and like, oh, no, it's still happening, you know, and <laughs> like, okay, like, it's on. And, but yeah, it's, it's honestly kind of like having to process the NCAA disappointment, you know, first and foremost, and then we kind of got some you know people like me got some good luck with um the olympics being postponed just because i think you know being 23 another year is not gonna hurt me you know it's only gonna help me and then it gives me an opportunity to transition into this new um phase of my career and um, this new group and all these different you know these these new completely like different you know, changes going on, but, um, yeah, I think it's just a year to get stronger and, um, even with no races on the horizon, we're, we're trying to get, we're getting stronger and we're, we're doing workouts to, um, you know, gain some fitness and, you know, maybe not get super sharp right now, but, um, I think it's a good opportunity just to, to get one year stronger. You know? You've been in U.S. finals what is the difference in like that sort of race and setting as opposed to an NCAA final in terms of just knowing, first off, you kind of know where you are in the pecking order of things, you know, it's like, okay, I'm not 
you know, a world champion or, you know, X time national champion on this starting line, but I've got them like two people to my right. I've got, you know, another diamond league champion to my left. So it's like, you know, you're, you're the underdog in a U.S. championship race. Uh, like how do you process those different feelings being on the, on those starting lines? And now I guess like you just have to worry about being at the trials. Right. Yeah. Honestly, I, I try not to look at them too differently. Uh, especially in the 1500, um, just because, you know, in the NCAA and, you know, Mark told me at indoors like the night before I was supposed to race, he said, it's a lot more fun to be the underdog and now you're the top dog, but it's good practice. And, you know, it's a good opportunity to practice composure. And, um, and I think the same goes for both just because, in the NCAA, there were races I was supposed to win, but you never know what can happen. So you got to treat it like, you know, like it might not. And the same thing at professional races when I was in college, you know, I, I certainly wasn't one of the people chosen to make a team, but I went in thinking anything could happen and USAs are crazy and trials are crazy and, you know, I got, I'm fit and I'm excited and I got just as good a chance as anybody. So I tried to, no matter how far those, you know, on either side of the spectrum, I tried to, you know, meet in the middle with both of them. So, yeah, I mean, this year in particular, 427 at the Wanamaker mile, then 1517 in that 5K in Boston. Then you're, I guess, like NCAA is on the calendar, right? And then you just mentioned this speech that uh, Wetmore was supposed to give you. All of a sudden, it all gets wiped away. What were what were those moments like? I guess in Albuquerque, right? Yeah, yeah. Joe Clucker and our DMR and McKenna, we'd all gone to the track and we'd done our strides and um, and you know we kept getting news and we were starting to prepare for the worst um but yeah i remember being you know i was getting work done by one of our uh one of our athletic trainers and i just get a text message from mark saying canceled and um and you know i don't blame like that what else can you say to a group of people that have worked really hard and it's just from no fault of anybody it's just over um and <laughs> it was kind of funny well not funny but it was interesting seeing everyone's coping reactions you know on the team just you know me and McKenna purposely made a point not to see each other for a while because we knew we were going to get really emotional so I kind of like locked myself in my room you know Joe Clicker was out at the mall you know eating soft pretzels and like it was tough I mean it was it was certainly hard to be at the meet and to have taken all the steps and for me especially running the double that I was planning on we had done a lot of training specific to that double so doing workouts within an hour of each other or you know doing back-to-back workouts and you know stuff like that and thinking about those like two or three weeks of just like really tough uh training sessions was hard but then you know also not getting an opportunity to to show off a little bit but um I've been telling people I think with no races happening it's a good opportunity just to 
get back to the basics and just kind of find the joy in running that you had when you were a kid, you know, not doing everything for the sake of competing. Um, cause you do get wrapped up in it. Cause that's your favorite. That's my favorite part of it, you know, is competing. Um, so being able just to like enjoy running day to day without even knowing when it's going to pay off, I think has been a good lesson for me so far. <laughs> Well, that was the thing that was so weird about that NCAA indoor meet was just that once they pulled the plug on it, first off, there was like kind of the indicator a couple of days first, leading into it when Harvard, I think, and the Ivy League teams and people were kind of upset on Instagram. Everyone's in Albuquerque. Then this thing gets canceled. And, you know, obviously emotions are running high. Weeks later and just seeing the extent of how bad the pandemic got, it's like, well, that made sense. And it's like, imagine if that meet had gone on, like how much worse things could have been. So it's like the, the process of dealing with that cancellation took a little bit longer, I would say, than other races, I would think. Yeah, and you're completely right. It was completely justified and it needed to happen. Um, I think it was just the, you know, being there and, and being ready to go. Um, and also the, I mean, the worst part was just knowing that the NCAA was over, you know, just that it was all over and, you know, not just the indoor meet. Um, but it's also, you know, the more, you know, as weeks went on after the NCAA was canceled, you just hear all these stories about athletes. And, you know, I have, like I said, a lot of teammates who don't get to come back to running and, you know, I have little cousins who missed their state championship in basketball, and that's just as heartbreaking for them as an NCAA championship is for me. Um, and all kinds of, like, sad stories like that, that, you know, it was, you know, all justified for things to be canceled, you know. But um, I think it's okay for people to be disappointed, you know. You, people work hard for for this stuff. and um, but. Yeah, I think that's why it was important for us just to be there for our teammates and try and be as supportive and understanding um, of the NCAA as possible. You mentioned the workouts that you put yourself through for like those two hard weeks. And you said it was like really, really difficult doing work workouts within an workouts. hour of each other. Give us some specifics. How hard were these workouts? <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I can't give you too much of uh, the Mark and uh, Heather Burroughs factor, but um, I honestly just think the hardest part of training was knowing that it was going to be harder during the races, you know. Um, you know, Mark and Heather are amazing coaches, and um, we – they – are all about the long term so my my training is um as manageable as you know as manageable as you can get you know while also being able to achieve a high level but they you know just to get in the mindset of having to go back to back and to run a race and think okay i got another one in an hour and then I have another one in 12 hours and um yeah i think the whole point of it was to just see what or how comfortable I could get being that uncomfortable um and it got to I mean it really worked too you know I give Mark and Heather so much credit because 
it got to a point where people were coming up to me and saying, this is a crazy double, like you're insane. And I thought, what are you talking about? It's gonna be fun, like, this is great. <laughs> and that may have been just like so dumb to believe that, but I was really in a place where I was really confident and really excited to, to do something, you know, that, I guess that crazy, you know? <laughs> so. You totally deflected it so well, the, the, the if, like <laughs> giving the specifics, but I'll let you go on that one. Before, <laughs> before you mentioned, um, there were some races that you think you, you should have won in the past or that you didn't perform as well as you had hoped. Before I do a deep dive into some of the big races that you did win, what's, I guess, one that still bites at you to this day that, like, you wish you would have won? Yeah, um, it's hard to say because... Like, I hate to say because this is probably, this race is probably one I'm most proud of. Um, but my junior year following 2017, where we had won the DMR and the 3K, um, I was approaching indoors and I got some nasty Achilles tendonitis. And, you know, it kind of sounds like a, you know, not a bad injury at all. And it really, it's, it's really not that bad, but it just, took so long to clear up and it, it really, it really like affected my training and kept me from doing the things I wanted to do to a point where, you know, I told Heather, I, this is too much. Like, I'm not ready. You know, let's just, can we please just register? <laughs> and she told me, no, <laughs> like you're healthy. Like this is good practice. Like not every season is going to go perfectly. And I'm really glad she said that because you know, I went out and I, I ran a race I'm really proud of, and I was probably less than a, I mean, I lost to El, Ellie by so little, um, and that was such a heartbreaker, but at the same time, it was, like, before I didn't even know how confident I was about making the final, and it was, like, when the gun went off, I just forgot that I had been, I'd spent so much time hurt, and I was just recovering all these moves and with 150 to go, I look up and I'm like, I'm going to try and go around her. And I, <laughs> and I tried. Um, and obviously it didn't go the way I wanted, but um, it was a really bittersweet race. It's hard to say if I, if it's one of my favorites or one of my least favorites to think about. <laughs> so. Well, now she's got the American record in the miles. So it's like, it, that kind of makes things better. <laughs> makes it a little easier yeah yeah but at the same time you know that makes it a little harder too so that's true um and kind of like all right so we'll start diving into 2017 indoors because that's where your first two titles came in the dmr you run down elise cranny in the 3k you i guess outkick krista schweizer um and very similarly i guess now krista schweizer has got that record from indoors this past year um does that do anything for you? I guess now looking back at those races, being like, whoa, it's like, if that's what she's doing now, then I've also got that, you know, kind of ceiling and that potential. Right. Yeah. I think it'd be easy for me to look at those girls and think like, man, where, what is going on? Like, <laughs> but I think it does give me incentive to believe that I could, I can be there, you know? And, I think all those girls needed was a couple years 
training at a really high level and living as professionals. And, and that was another thing that went into my decision, you know, just wanting to go all in on training and racing to maximize my potential and what I think I can accomplish. But yeah, I think, I think I look at those, those times and those girls and I just think, you know, that gives me confidence more than anything. What's the behind the scenes on the defining move in those two races to make the pass and kick when you needed to? When you needed to. Because very similarly, like this could be the first sign of the Jenny Simpson tactics teaching being put to work. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, I honestly took a lot from the DMR into the next day. Um, you forget how little time you have when you go around the last turn. Like it's not a 400 track, like it's a 200 meter track. <laughs> and I remember thinking I had so much time to pass Elise during the DMR and the line was just so close when I went around the corner and that, and the race ended up being so close. Like we nearly lost it because I, I kicked so late, but um, yeah, I tried to think about that during the 3k and you know, I, I went around, I started going around earlier and, it went a little more, it was less dramatic, but <laughs> less exciting. But um, yeah, I mean, that's stuff you, I mean, as an Arizona girl, I never even ran indoors. And so that's just stuff that, that you pick up. But yeah, I think that last part is the mostly, I think the least important part of the race, you know, just being comfortable and being in a good position um, in the middle when, you know, things shouldn't be uncomfortable. Um, that's what sets you up to do well in the end. So those athletes were still kind of like in the developing stages and like the, like people who want to get better at races and close harder. Can you describe what that's like knowing you've got that extra gear and when you can flip that switch to go? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because it's something I'm known for now, but when I was a freshman, I remember getting outkicked the last 50 meters every race. Um, and that's another, you know, another kudos to Mark and Heather, you know, they're, they're big on aerobic development. And I've, I think my kick comes from being fit and just ready to run fast, you know, you can't outkick someone who's in better shape than you because, you know, their heart rate's going to be lower and, you know, they'll be more comfortable than you are. Um, so I think it's something that everyone can develop. You know, obviously um, having uh, some some foot speed helps everybody. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely something that I've had to work on and um, tactically and, you know, fitness-wise as an athlete, too. What was the buildup like the summer before the 2018 cross-country season? And, like, how did – were there early signs knowing that this could have been a special season for not just you but also the team in general? Yeah, I mean, 2018 was one of my best years. It was – I ran outdoors unattached and um, was just competing in – pro races I ran at Free Classic, um, went to Portland Track Festival and um 
but I think the summer is when all the, the best work was done, you know. Um, we, as a team, we're healthy, and that, I think that was the most important part of all of it, you know. Um, we're healthy, and everyone was happy, and um, things were just clicking, and, and we weren't necessarily dominating in the beginning either. Um, we were just being consistent. I mean, we even lost the Pac-12 championship, but we just kept um, positive, and especially the weeks leading up to the NCAA championship, we were just excited. And instead of that, like, dread or the nerves that really uh, affected those, like, first few days in uh, Wisconsin, um, we were just having a good time. And I think since everyone was seniors, that helped us too, you know, or most people were seniors just because it was just our last chance to run together and do something for each other. Um, and then the race was just insane. I mean, everyone ran out of their minds, you know, and, and I think it's easy to look at me and like McKenna, you know, one and eight, but I love watching the shoot. I like the finishing shoot of um, that race on slow track because I, <laughs> you can see everyone coming in and it, there's six girls in the top 30 and flow track can't even keep up with it. You know, they're just like, there's their four or their, I don't even know. <laughs> and it's just so cool. Like it's, it was such a good day. Um, so everyone is very familiar with running with the Buffaloes and, you know, what, and especially like the most recent, men's dynasty it had been 14 years since the women had won as that race got closer were there conversations about the potential of winning and how did you guys mentally prepare to make it happen it was funny because every year we had those thoughts you know it didn't matter how we were doing in the beginning of the season or how we looked in the summer that's just like how Colorado it's just how they roll, you know, like they just go into every season thinking podium or bust. Like there's even in the athletic department, there's always expectation for CU's cross country team to win the Pac-12 championship and then to podium. And if you, if we don't do that, then they consider it a failure, you know? And, um, so it was just, for me, it was a long time coming being a senior, you know, especially because our sophomore year, we were ranked really high and we were supposed to win and, you know, had a you know, pretty devastating loss to Oregon, although they, they ran incredible that day. Um, but it was, for us, it was like, or for me, it was like, just a, thank goodness, like it finally has happened. And, um, but I think, even more so the way that we did it was the best part because we just we dominated you know yeah. and it we weren't supposed to even win and it was just like the stars just aligned for us you know and I don't think the thing with cross country is that everything has to come together for a team to win you know um and that's just like what happened with us you know girls were in a good play, good mindset and they they all ran what they were capable of and it just it was just a good day and um 
and it doesn't get old either. You know, Mark has won countless NCAA titles. If you go to the fifth floor champion center, there's just this huge display. You know, they used, they were in like a storage closet last year and they finally decided to, to do this thing. But, um, I mean, Mark and Heather put so much into it and you can just tell it doesn't get old for them to win championships, you know, and getting to see them after the race, that was one of the best parts. Um, to have the reaction that I've heard Mark having, you know, he just comes up and gives you a pat on the back and says, like, I knew you could do it. You've heard Adam Goucher say that about Mark. And I finally got to experience it myself. And yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah. It's like, there's, there's a very intimidating side to Wetmore, but in those private moments, is it a totally different person that you only get to see in the midst of just like that much celebration? I mean, his reaction to celebration isn't much different than what you get on camera, you know? But I think there's a side of Mark that um, only CU gets to experience. And um, he's an extremely knowledgeable coach and just knows how to make a good team and good athletes. But he's he has a good heart. And, um, yeah, I mean, they've they're like family to me now, you know, they're, they're great people. And, um, and I think that's where like my respect for them comes from, you know, just how genuinely they want you to succeed. It's a storybook season of sorts. So it's like, do you think there could be a running with the Buffaloes esque version of that whole season told from like, I guess your team's perspective? It's, it's, that's a really tough question because Running with the Buffaloes is a book that has meant so much to so many people who have come through CU and then also just people who have gotten into running and into collegiate running because of it. So it's like the story about your team is just as special, I would say. Yeah, and it's hard to say. I mean, that, that's an incredible – I mean, that story is so well-liked for a good reason. You know, it's a great story. And – those guys battled things that um, we didn't necessarily experience and vice versa. Um, I will say that I remember coming in to see you as a freshman and, you know, flow track had just come out with this big video about Colorado, but you didn't see any women on there, you know, like every once in a while I saw one like in the background or something, but um, I just remember thinking like, this is cool, you know, have a ton of respect for those guys and those those men that have won so many titles, but it's the women's term now, you know? Like, I want that for the, for the women, and I don't want this to be a male-dominated program. I think there are such things as, you know, teams with amazing running history, but it's just on, you know, the male side or it's just on the, the female side. And to have that on both the men's and women's sides, I think it's – you know, a huge credit to Mark as well. Um, but I'm happy to say I walked away and we were able to, you know, win something of our own and like get some, um, get some of that, uh, that attention back, you know, um, just because it, it had been so long, you know, around, since, you know, Kara Goucher and Sarah Slattery, since we won it, we had won a title. Um, 
and I, I never want, and I don't think Mark or Heather ever want there to be a gap between our men's and women's team. So that's, you know, I respect that a lot about them as well. So was it right after so, that that uh, you suffered the, uh, like, fibula injury? Yeah. Winter is not a good time for me. I'm going <laughs> to keep that in check this year. Um, but, yeah, after cross, I I took some well-needed um, time off from running. Um, it's a lot of emotional stuff that goes into cross, way more so than track, I think. Um, just because it just feels like there's so much on the line. Um, and I think I, I took some, I was too fast coming back or I, you know, wasn't doing enough during my, my break, but um, ended up with a fabulous stress reaction and had another tough winter coming into the spring, but we got through it. So. It's a question that I tend to ask runners after they have an injury that puts them out for a while. Like I think I've asked Evan Jager this before there's those moments in that comeback process where doubt could start to creep in. It's like, how am I going to get back to that level? What was that like for you? Because you did have a period where you couldn't run, I think like on the flat ground for like two months. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I wish I could say they get easier, you know, injuries don't get easier. Um, I think my attitude about them has gotten better and I wouldn't, I don't, I want to take back any uh, injury I had just because I think they did dramatically change the course of my seasons and my career. Um, but, you know, especially track last or, yeah, last year, um, I probably would have been in the 1500 and we decided to run the five because we, we didn't feel ready for um, a close or a hard closing 15. Um but I got a lot out of running the 5k and I was happy to have been in the 5k and um, it changed, you know, obviously it's, it's easy to go in not having a lot of confidence, you know, cause I didn't even race extremely well leading up to NCAAs either. Um, but it was kind of similar to my race, you know, with Ellie indoors in 2018 um, where, you know, when the gun goes off, it just, everything kind of goes out the window and you think, well, anything can happen. And I've worked really hard and I put the work in years prior and you just got to have faith in that. Um, but I also am lucky to have a lot of great support too. Like I had teammates on the line with me, you know, I had McKenna and it's easy to, it's easier to get out there and, you know, have faith in your ability and, you know, what you, what you've done to, um, you know, despite what's happened recently, you know. And 2019 was hard too because I, I mean, we had, I had family things going on and it was just a difficult time in general. And there were definitely moments where I thought, you know, I'd, it would be easy for me to just be done. And uh, I think people would be understanding of that. But um, a friend sat me down and said, like, you've just, you've worked way too hard to just call it you know and even if you go out there and you're dead last you'll be proud of the fact that you, you went out there and you tried um so yeah I'm, I'm just I'm lucky to have a lot of good people to, to keep me in it you know yeah especially because I mean from what I read it was like you and kind of like I guess mentioning those the, the personal stuff that was happening it was like your father passed away 
before the NCAA championships. So it was like, do you remember, I guess, the first run after that in terms of just like what, obviously something like that is so, so hard and heavy, but running as a coping mechanism and also just sort of knowing you had this big race ahead of you, aside from your support system, what was the sport for you? I think the best advice I got when that stuff um, was really hitting hard was don't think of running as a, as a job or a chore, you know, just enjoy it the best you can. And Jenny too told me when it came to racing, she said, don't put too much emotion into it, you know? And I think that was, that was great advice because I went out there thinking it's just, this is just what I've trained for. It's just another day. You know, it didn't drain me as much as it could have. Um, because of that advice and because of that attitude, I think. Um, but I think since my family was having, you know, feeling that weight as well, just getting out there and being able to, you know, finish what I started um, meant a lot to me and them because, you know, I think it gave them a little hope to be able to, you know, carry on and, you know, stuff gets messy and stuff gets hard, but, you know, life goes on and you learn your lessons and yeah, you just, you gotta keep trying. And I think, and that was a really special part of finishing too, because I've never seen my coaches get emotional over a race or my family get emotional over a race. And I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that I won. It was just that I was out there and just that I made it that far. Um, and that's what it was for me too, just um, having the, the courage to to try. You know. The photo you posted afterwards was just awesome. It was just you cheesing as hard as you could with the, uh, with the, uh, the award how did i mean it just sort of that kind of that's an awesome moment to have after such a hard build up toward it and then also in that race to kind of get into the specifics you're running in that heat in austin which was wasn't easy you had to work for it i think you closed in it was like 64 or something like that that final lap going into that race what's going through your head same as any i mean <laughs> get the good get the best position i mean those instincts, yeah, I wasn't kidding. Like, they, they really take over. But um, I was excited to be in a race that was going the last couple laps. And um, I think one of the best parts about that race was that I had done – Heather and I had done so much homework that I had gone up to my mom the day before and told her, this is what we think is going to happen. And this is what I'm going to do in these different scenarios. And, you know, those things just started happening throughout the race. And I finished and my mom was like, how did you do that? And I was just like, you could just, you know, if you watched enough and you pay enough attention, um, just being prepared for the moves and being prepared for how you think the race is going to go just adds to your composure and then you can focus on how um, you're feeling and um, 
focus on your own moves. And that was, you know, that was the best thing my coach could have done for me was help me be prepared for that. Cause I hadn't, I wasn't very experienced in five Ks, but um, I felt really comfortable being out there. I mean, many of us have never been in that position, but that homework and that preparation, what does that look like? Is it, a, is it a flow chart where you're just kind of like, all right, if this happens, this is going to happen. If this happens, this is going to happen. Heather was a great coach for me because she was extremely organized. And just, I mean, we wrote out our plans leading up to the right, even like for warm-ups, you know, um, just having a plan to minimize stress. And some of it happens naturally. You know, you get experience racing certain girls and you just, you know how they tick. But um, yeah, just getting on YouTube and pulling up races and watching past championship level five Ks and you know, well, who did it? Who did this best? And well, how did this person, you know, manage to succeed or succeed in this way? And um, knowing your strengths, you know, as well as other people's strengths and how they like to conduct themselves in races. I mean, there's only so much, you know, you can't plan for everything. Like I easily could have taken a fall on that race and, you know, everything just goes out the window after that. But um, you can't, you can't overprepare, you know? And um, I just think that was something that my coaches did a great job and, you know, Jenny and my teammates did a great job of like instilling in me, just making sure that I'm prepared and um, I'm comfortable. Is there a race that you've watched that you think someday I want to run a race that smart? Yeah, gosh. I think, I don't remember what year it is, but Jenny ran a Drake Relays uh, mile, I think. I can't, the year is escaping me, but um, Heather and I love to watch that race. Um, <laughs> just because everything she does is you know, there's a purpose behind it. And you can even tell in the race that she's fooling other people, you know, like people are looking around like, wait, how did she get up there? Like you can see people's heads turning in the race, you know, and um, being where, you know, obviously the last lap is really important in 1500, but it's important to be in good position you know, before that happens. And she just does an amazing job making definitive moves and you know she's not all over the place you know it's it's very calculated and yeah that's what I love about Jenny and what I would you know love to be fit enough to be able to do is there a degree you think of the fact like yeah she could have revealed so many of these secrets and these insight to someone like Ben Sorrell but at the same time, she's never really shown too many of her cards to a female competitor. Do you think you might know too much sometimes on the starting line? Or do you think she thinks you know too much? <laughs> I mean... Because she's not going to tell everything. She, does, she won't tell her, all her secrets. As soon as I stopped recording the podcast with her, she was like, I wish you know, we could talk for much longer. But I know at this point in my career, I can't tell you everything. Yeah, and that's smart. I mean, and I think it did get that way at the end. You know, I, I wasn't, I was becoming less of this little collegiate 
following her around, you know? Um, um, but yeah, something about Jenny and I, we honestly didn't talk tactics very much. I give most of that credit to Heather. Um, but we have very similar coaching background and just similar um, collegiate experience, although she, you know, obviously she ran um, a lot faster than I did. But she, I think coaching is just where those similarities come from. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jenny's smart not to say too much. And uh, I probably did the same thing with you a little bit with the training, but um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I think there's more to just being really fit. You know, there's um, just being really smart too. And she definitely, she is that. Um, to kind of, before we get to the final questions that I ask every guest, this year in particular, had the trials been as scheduled in June, which is crazy to think that it would be next month, um, would it have been the 1500 or the 5k for you? Because you really, I guess, like have honed in on, you know, I'm a miler, but then you did just win the NCAA championship just last year in the 5k. Right. Yeah, that's the the hot question for me. And I honestly don't have an answer either. Um, and it's something I've even, I've asked coaches and I think it, first of all, it's getting the standard. Um, and that was our initial goal was to get standards in both. Um, but then just to see how racing is going and where my fitness is, I think I'm fortunate because I do have potentially two options um and I think it's just going to be where I'm most confident and what's you know how things are how things are going in training and in competitions but um it's exciting for me just to be able to to have either or and I honestly I don't have an answer right now (laughs) what were your big goals for the outdoor season before everything got wiped out I mean, obviously I wanted, you know, I hadn't won an outdoor title in the 15 and um, that was something I've wanted since I was, you know, a little freshman, you know, so that was, that was hard to let go of, but um, definitely that was my main, my main focus um, as well as the trials, um, but getting the standards in the 5k and the 15, um, you know, running well throughout the um, prelims and finals at Pac-12s, regionals and nationals. Um, And then maybe getting the opportunity to race after the trials. You know, obviously everyone wants to make a team and I don't, that was certainly my goal as well. Um, But, you know, maybe even after the trials, being able to, to run some, some big girl races, I guess, and, you know, see where I, where I fare and all that. But, um, yeah, looking forward to that down the road, hopefully at some point. It was right after was- you won the cross country title. I went back and I looked at the let's run recap for it. And in it, they said that you were a bona fide Colorado legend and they put you in the same class as Adam Goucher, Kara, uh, Hori Torres, uh, Dathan Ritzenheim and Jenny Simpson. So it's like when you close the book, on your Colorado career, 
what is it like, I guess, being put in that same sentence as them? It really never gets old, especially as I, I meet those people and realize like their character is just as great as, you know, their athletic ability. Um, but I honestly never expected, you know, entering CU to, to leave the way I did. And um, I know that Colorado gave me everything I needed to succeed. And Mark and Heather gave me every opportunity and every, um, every chance in the world to be great. And um, because of that, I mean, I'll always root for them and I'll always root for the buffs. And um, I'm really just grateful for the experience I had. And, um, and I hope that, and I know that there will be more athletes like me, you know, there'll be more and the list will only be greater with, you know, Mark and Heather as coaches there. Um, and just with the athletic, uh, gosh, the department there is just great. So, um, yeah, I really just had everything I needed. It's funny because I almost forgot to ask you the question I asked Adam, and I think I've asked Jenny, is who's on your Mount Rushmore of CU buffs? So you only get four to put on there. No, that's awful. <laughs> oh, that's a painful question. There's so many. This would be so much easier if I went to some smaller school or something. <laughs> I mean, Jenny, she's she's got to be on every everyone's not I mean if she's not then something's wrong with you but um gosh I think I'm gonna be biased because I know people more than others but um I think Kara's up there for sure um I think I'm gonna sweep women I think Emma goes up there too um and Mary Decker that's another yeah, that's a strong four. I mean, it's really hard to crack those. <laughs> I know. Like, no no offense to the guys, but gosh, those women are just, like, unbelievable. Yeah, I forget. I think the first person I asked was Ritz, and he was like, this is just too hard of a question. It is. It's too hard. I mean, yeah. they. If you I had a fifth they... spot, would it be a guy? Yeah, I'd have to. I'd have to. I'd have to give it to yeah, – I. Dathan would probably be, gosh, I don't know, that was too hard. I don't like this question. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. Because they all just bring something so different, and they're great in their own ways, and they've taken their careers in a lot different. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm lucky because I, I feel like I, I get to watch. I've gotten to see, like, what they've done and just – um, they've gone really different routes, but they've all just done so well for themselves. And yeah, that's a horrible question. <laughs> I don't like that one. All right, final <laughs> questions I ask every guest. First one: What's the funniest drug testing story? Drug testing you story that you've got. Oh, I got a good one. Although, <laughs> she might kill me. So, my first drug testing experience was at NCAs my sophomore year when we won the DMR and the whole team's got to go in there and give a sample, obviously. Um, 
and our team was made up of two sophomores and two freshmen. So this was very new for everyone. And um, there was one girl on the team that could just not do it. And, and it took all of us a long time because we'd never done it before. But I mean, I just remember sitting outside talking to our teammates and on the phone who were like freaking out, you know, um, and I just, someone kept coming out every once in a while and at, like, to let us know how she was doing. And every time it just got worse. Like <laughs> she's still in there. And then she'd come back out again, like we got her in the shower now. And just like stuff like that. And it was just, I mean, this isn't really my story to tell, but it was just funny because it was as a team, it was all of us experiencing it at the same time for the first time together. Um, and this poor little freshman was just having, she went from like the best day of her life to the worst, you know? <laughs> what was the total no, amount, the total of, time amount of, time of time that it took from like the end of the race to when you guys finally got out of there? <laughs> I don't remember the exact time, but it got to a point where like my mom had to bring me dinner because I had a race the next day and it was getting late. <laughs> so I was like eating pizza in the drug testing area. <laughs> like waiting for it to be done. But um, yeah, we got through it. And it's, um, they're super experienced seniors now. So they got it down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's the meanest thing you've read about yourself on let's run.com? Oh no. <laughs> Actually. Oh, do I have, I have a good one just from my Instagram the other day, but um, I honestly love those things. I think they're so funny. Um, I've gotten, I don't know about, let, I honestly don't go on Let's Run. I think that's just a bad idea for anybody. Give us the um, Instagram one then. The Instagram one, I got, I announced that I was joining Joe's team. And I mean, I got so many great, compliments and just people being excited which is awesome um but there was just this one straggler comment that was like <laughs> he put he turned the like joe's last name into something that sounded like boss art but wasn't quite and i'm not gonna say it because it was inappropriate but he was like congrats on joining this team um and then something like enjoy mediocrity and i was like Oh, <laughs> like, like, who are you? Are you okay? Like, like okay, Mike, two, five, three, six. Like, you do what you got to do, you know. <laughs> but you, you click um, on his profile, and it's like five followers, and like he doesn't even yeah, have like exactly. a. <laughs> like, dang, this is just like a roasting account. Like, you have it's just to like get some <laughs> get some anger out, but yeah, people are funny. It keeps it keeps it entertaining, you know. <laughs> If you could go on a run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold a nice conversational pace with you, where would this run take place and who would it be with? Oh, goodness. I honestly think... Goodness. I mean, I'm trying to think of anyone. You, anyone? They don't have to be a runner. It could be like oh, Oprah. Have, oh, heck yeah. They don't even have to be a runner. That's good news. Um, I think I would go to... <laughs> I would go to Dowdy Draw, which is an amazing trail 
in Boulder. Um, and I think I would go with Peyton Manning. <laughs> That's a good answer. I love Peyton Manning. I'm a big, uh, big Colts gal. Um, and grew up watching him. I think he's the coolest guy ever. Wait, so how are you a Colts fan? You grew up in Arizona, right? I just went to high school in Arizona, uh, in middle school. But I, my whole family is from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So. <laughs> gotcha. That makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. That sure. that'd be an an awesome run because like he's just a great conversationalist. Yeah, and he's an amazing athlete. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's the best. I love Peyton Manning, so that would be my choice for sure. Last one has nothing to do with running. You get 25 shots from half court. If you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots? <laughs> oh, God, no. I played – what I've been doing during my quarantine is playing, like, horse and like around the world with my roommates and oh it's an absolute crapshoot like I'm not I'm not doing that I can't even make it I'm always the first one out yeah I don't I don't think I'd do it um but I'd, I'd certainly watch someone else try and do it <laughs> yeah it's a smart answer I don't think it's worth it but some people some people do some people answers like yeah I'll totally go for it I think it's not smart yeah like everyone in my family is good at basketball. I mean, all my all my cousins play basketball, and like my aunts and uncles go out on scholarship to play basketball. I'm literally the only non-baller in my family, and I I've taken on that um, identity as a non-baller. So I don't think I would do it. No. Well, Danny, I appreciate you taking the time for this. Hopefully, we can all return to normalcy, and you can rejoin your team like in full swing and maybe there'll be some races thrown on the calendar for early next year but um yeah stay safe congrats again on uh turning pro thanks again yeah thanks for having me on and definitely stay safe and stay sane staying at home that's all for this episode of the show many thanks to danny for the chat and apologies on my end for any little glitches or echoes that uh disrupted your listening Uh, Recording over Zoom isn't ideal or perfect, but it's what we have to deal with right now. So if you listened to and enjoyed this episode, give us a shout out on your Instagram stories. Uh, We will repost it from Sidious Mag to all our followers. This helps new people discover the show. Uh, If you have an extra second or two, which many people do right now, consider leaving a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That also helps the discoverability. And yeah, everyone stay home, stay safe, wash those hands. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running.